Coming up next on Contemplate. Paul is always wanting to preach, right, in the most crazy of circumstances. I, I hope I would have had the courage to do that, but if I had just been almost killed by a mob and they're sitting there screaming and yelling away with him and so on, I'm like, can we get inside? I, I don't want to be out here with these people who all want to kill me. But Paul, he's just like, no, I got a chance. There's a whole crowd here. He doesn't care if that crowd is a crowd that wants to kill him or not. It's a crowd of people. He can preach. Paul was on fire for Jesus. He looked for any and every opportunity to tell people about him. What a great example for us today. Let's learn more. Verses 26 through 30. It says, Then Paul took the men, and the next day, having been purified with them, entered the temple to announce the expiration of the days of purification, at which time an offering should be made for each one of them. Now, when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against the people, the law, and this place. And furthermore, he also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. And all the city was disturbed, and the people ran together, seized Paul, and dragged him out of the temple, and immediately the doors were shut. It didn't work. Um, he went through this process, but it wasn't enough for them. So we have these Jewish people from Asia. Well, assumedly, these are people from Ephesus. Remember, if you have been around, Paul was in Ephesus for a long time. Right? He, re he reached all of Asia, but the Jews there were not happy with Paul, as they usually weren't. Those that didn't come to Christ usually were. And these guys, so they know Paul was. He's lived in their city for quite a while. They see Paul, and they accuse him of two things. One, of teaching all men everywhere against the people and the law and this place, that is the temple. And two, of bringing a Gentile into the inner courts of the temple. These are the accusations leveled against Paul. These are serious accusations. Now, if these guys were from Ephesus, they might have known Trophimus, this guy, and maybe they had seen Trophimus with Paul in the city and so assumed or at least tried to accuse Paul of bringing Trophimus into the temple. But neither of these accusations are true. We've already discussed that Paul was not teaching against the law in the way that they're suggesting that he was. He was simply teaching that the law was not the thing that led to salvation. Jesus Christ was. Okay, very different than saying it's bad and so on. In fact, he talks about how the law is important because we would never know our need for Jesus if we didn't know the law and that we were lawbreakers, right? So he's actually not against the law in this kind of way they're saying. But we also know, right, Paul would not have brought Trophimus into the temple. The whole thing he was trying to do was to be all things to all men. The last thing he would do is something purposely offensive when the whole thing was he has his heart to see Jewish people turn to the Lord Jesus. He would never have brought Trophimus into the inner courts of the temple. The penalty for bringing someone into the inner courts of the temple was death. There were actually signs up in the temple, and this is what they read. No foreigners to enter within the forecourt and the balustrade around the sanctuary. Whoever is caught will have himself to blame for his subsequent death which is a really fancy way of saying if you cross this line, you're dead, right? This was the warning. It was serious, okay? Uh, so they, they, they yell these things out. Everybody grabs Paul. They, they take him. They seize him. They take him out. They shut the doors. Um, so the prophecies are coming true, right? All the things that were said are now coming true. He's got trouble coming. The whole city was disturbed by this uproar. 
If you've been around for a while, you know that when Paul goes around, he tends to shake things up. And why does he tend to shake things up? Because Jesus, and the name of Jesus, tends to shake things up. And that's what happened here. Shook things up. Let's look at what happens in the next few verses, 31 through 36. It says, Now as they were seeking to kill him, news came to the commander of the garrison that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. He immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains. And he asked who he was and what he had done. And some among the multitude cried one thing and some another. So when he could not ascertain the truth because of the tumult, he commanded him to be taken to the barracks. When they reached the stairs, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the mob. For the multitude of the people followed after crying out, away with him. They start to try to kill him. They get him out, and they're going to mob violence, just kill Paul right there. Not the first time Paul's been in this type of a situation. But the commander of the garrison hears about what's going on, and he has to get centurions and soldiers and run down there to stop this mob violence. And Paul ends up in chains, as was prophesied, right? Uh, and the people, once again, we see this thing where they get this mob together, and the people can't keep their story straight. One person's yelling this thing. One person's yelling something else. They don't really know why they're there. This is kind of the nature of mob violence is that people just sort of get together and they get frenzied and these things happen. So the commander takes Paul to the barracks. The people follow screaming out, away with him. And it's so violent they actually have to carry Paul up the stairs. Let's look at what happens in the next couple of verses here, 37 through 39. Then as Paul was about to be led into the barracks, he said to the commander, may I speak to you? He replied, can you speak Greek? Are you not the Egyptian who some time ago stirred up a rebellion and led the 4,000 assassins out into the wilderness? But Paul said, I'm a Jew from Tarsus and Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city, and I implore you, permit me to speak to the people. So Paul, as he seems to always do, asked to speak to this guy. Now the commander says to him, wait a second, um, why can you speak Greek? I thought you were this Egyptian guy who led these 4,000 people in this rebellion. Uh, you can read about this in the history. Josephus writes about this, which is uh, an ancient historian, writes about this Egyptian guy uh, who was a false prophet who came and led these people and basically tried to rebel against the Romans. Actually, Josephus gives a different number than 4,000. I think he says something like 30,000. But scholars actually go with Luke's number of 4,000 as probably more accurate, once again showing you that as a, wor- as a historical work, Luke's book here is highly esteemed as history, okay? Even more so in this case than Josephus' account, which is also highly esteemed as history. So Paul mentions that he's a, a citizen of the city of Tarsus and convinces the commander to what? To let him give a little sermon. Well, I, he, Paul is always wanting to preach, right? In the most crazy of circumstances. I, I hope I would have had the courage to do that, but if I had just been almost killed by a mob and they're sitting there screaming and yelling away with him and so on, I'm like, can we get inside? I, I don't want to be out here with these people who all want to kill me. But Paul, he's just like, no, I got a chance. There's a whole crowd here. He doesn't care if that crowd is a crowd that wants to kill him or not. It's a crowd of people. He can preach. So that's what he's going to do. And so let's, let's look at, we're going to read through a bunch of verses here, the end of this chapter and into the next chapter. It says this, so when he had given him permission, Paul stood on the stairs and motioned with his hand to the people, and when there was a great silence, he spoke to them in the Hebrew language. Okay, now, why is he speaking in the Hebrew language? All things to all men. 
They've quieted down. Now he knows if he speaks in Hebrew, they're more likely to listen to him because what is he being accused of? Of being against Judaism. So he doesn't want to speak in Greek. He wants to speak in Hebrew. And so he speaks in the Hebrew language saying this. Brethren and fathers, once again, he's showing respect. He's showing respect to these people. Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. So now they're listening. Then he said, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law, and zealous toward God, as you all are today. So here he is. He's, he's, he's laying out his CV. He's laying out uh, his resume as a Jew. Hey, I'm a Jew. I was born in Tarsus, but I was raised here. Gamaliel, who was a major Pharisee okay, teacher, well, well respected, saying, I was taught by Gamaliel. I'm legit. Okay? I'm here. I'm one of you. He's starting out with that. I persecuted this way, when some of the way he's talking about the believers, the Christ followers, the Christians. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest bears me witness. Ask him. That's what I used to do, right? And all the council of the elders from whom I also received letters to the brethren and went to Damascus to bring in chains, even those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. He's saying, listen, I am a Jew. I'm zealous for the law. I'm so zealous for the law that I was a persecutor of believers. I was a persecutor of Christ followers. Not only here, but I actually got letters from the council to go up to Damascus and put them in chains and bring them back here so we could punish more of them. I was the one who was ready to wipe this, these people out because I was so passionate for the law. Now it happened as I journeyed and came near Damascus at about noon, suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who are with me, now why does he mention them? Go ask them. They will testify to what happened here. Those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, arise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do. And since I could not see for the glory of that light being led by the hand of those who are with me, I came into Damascus. So he's blinded by this light. He's headed to Damascus. You've heard this story before if you've been here for long. It's not the first time Paul talks about his conversion. Then a certain Ananias, a devout man according to the law. You see what he's doing here? Having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there. Setting this up. I'm like you. I'm with you. I respect you. I respect other Jews. He came to me, or dwelt there, came to me, and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour I looked up at him. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem, was praying in the temple that I was in a trance and, I, and saw him saying to me, so this is Jesus talking to him, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. Now he's setting them up. He had come back to Jerusalem, and Jesus told him, they're not going to listen to you. They're not going to listen to you. What's his argument to Jesus? So he's going to argue back. So I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believe on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, we've talked about this, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. So Paul is setting this up. Listen, 
I was here at that time, and I wanted to preach to you, and I thought for sure that you would hear me because you knew who I was. You knew how passionate I was, so of course you'd want to hear this conversion story and how Jesus told me the truth about this, and Jesus was saying, no, don't. You've got to go away, which is, which is what's happened here. He's come back again, giving the same story and seeing that they don't seem to care. Then he said to me, this is Jesus talking to Paul again, depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. Now, that's an important word here. And they listened to him until this word. And then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he is not fit to live. Then as they cried out and tore off their clothes and threw dust into the air. Remember, this is a way of showing that you're just, you're absolutely disgusted. Throwing dust in the air, tearing your clothes, this would have been a way that they would have in their culture shown how disgusted they were with what Paul said. As soon as he said, going to the Gentiles. Then as they cried out and tore off their clothes, and threw dust in the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks and said that he should be examined under scourging so he might know why they so shouted against him. Once they heard the word Gentiles, they could not stand it anymore. They were not going to listen to him anymore. These people hated Gentiles. They hated them. They hated the Romans and the occupation of their land. They hated people who they thought they were better than. They thought they were better than the Gentiles. They were more important than the Gentiles. These were God's chosen people. They couldn't stand the Gentiles. And they thought Paul was defiling their traditions by going to the Gentiles, by taking the good news to the Gentiles, and then defiling their traditions in that way. And they were willing to kill him over it. They were willing to kill him. Now, Lord willing, as we continue to study, you're going to see just how far some of them were willing to go to try to kill Paul. But this is the same story we see over and over again in the book of Acts. The truth of Jesus Christ is preached. It's preached peacefully. It's preached powerfully. And some people find life in it, and some people find death in it. Those that find death in it are willing to do anything to get rid of the Christian witness and to eradicate it. Anything. And so that's what we see here. But here's the thing. They cannot get rid of it. They cannot stop it. They could not then, and they cannot now, no matter how much they don't like it, no matter how much they hate it. There are still people in some places who commit violence and murder against Christ followers because they're Christ followers. That still happens to this day, okay? Paul said it himself. He he knew that death was a possibility, remember? Then Paul answered, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul knew the hearts of some people were set against Jesus. This wasn't the first time he's seen this. He was ready to pay the price that it might cost because he knew that he was called to preach and testify and witness to the truth and that the truth cannot and would not be stopped no matter what happened to him. And that's true now. The truth cannot and will not be stopped. And guess what? You're called to preach it. It's your job. It's your calling. We talked about this last week. Paul finished running his race a long time ago, but you're still running yours. You're still running yours. And in preaching the truth, preaching the gospel, you're unlikely to face anything like what Paul faced. Okay? You're unlikely to face much more than maybe some awkwardness. Look at what he had to face. Look at what you have to face. Not much. Paul was almost killed by a mob. Now, we used to do this thing at George Fox University where I was a student Um, And it goes back at least as far as when my dad was a student. So that's a long time ago because I'm old, so he's really old. And it was called the Bruin Brawl. 
The Bruin Brawl, I don't know if any of you went to George Fox or any of you took part in this. Basically, uh, at any time, someone could do something called Flash the Bruin. It doesn't, it's not as bad as it sounds. Um, which was the school mascot, okay? It's this bear. And basically, uh, it's a little leather teddy bear about this size. Um, and it could happen at any time. And what would happen is basically they'd throw it out and it, it, they, they, whoever could get it off campus, freshmen, sophomore, junior, seniors, kind of were a team. And whichever class could get it off of campus sort of won that Bruin brawl, and then they would be responsible the next time to throw it out. Now, uh, this thing was a brawl. A, I mean, it was crazy. I can't believe they let us do it. Um, even when I was in school, it was, I can imagine when my dad was in school because that was like the Stone Age, but even when I was in school, it was kind of crazy that they let us do it. I mean, bodies are flying everywhere, everywhere. Uh, everyone's fighting to get this stupid teddy bear. And it would end up in this pile of humanity kind of wrestling and scratching and clawing to get at this thing. Now, I mention this because in this situation, Jerusalem, Paul was the Bruin, right? Paul is, is there on the bottom of the pile getting pummeled. Um, and, and I can just, I cannot imagine how scary it would have been because I remember being in one of these room brawls and you get kind of into the pile and you sort of don't have control. And I'm a pretty big guy. Right, But it was kind of scary because it was pretty violent and so on. And I can't imagine being in a situation where people wanted to kill me. Right, And Paul didn't care. I'm not saying he didn't care like he wasn't scared. I'm not saying he didn't care like it didn't hurt. I'm saying he didn't care like what was going to be the most important that was he was going to preach the gospel regardless. He was going to preach the gospel because of his love for Jesus Christ. It was not going to stop him no matter what. Now, I hope that the Lord builds me up like Paul, that I could face anything that I could face anything that life brings to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope that for you too. I hope that Christ's church here in this building, anyone listening online, that Christ's church all over the world will rise up and start to have the kind of passion to proclaim the truth of the gospel that Paul had, to be willing to do it no matter what. If just the people who listen to this message, just those people had anything anything like the passion for the truth that Paul did, there would be forgiveness of sins and change transformed lives from Camus to the ends of the earth. Just this group, just this group. Remember, they started with 120 in the power of the Holy Spirit. And now there's myriads of believers in Jerusalem. There's believers all over the world at this point. And now, of course, billions since then have come to know the Lord. Now, why do I keep talking about this? We talked about evangelism last week, and once again, I'm talking about it. Why do I keep talking about it? Well, because the Scripture keeps talking about it. So it must be important. Because I know that we're called to do it. And if Scripture continues to tell these stories about Paul and showing us that he was willing to face fear, that he was willing to face death, that he was willing to face pain, to, to preach the gospel, and we know that you're called and I'm called to preach the gospel, and that we are having a hard time in our culture right now facing even awkwardness, something's wrong. We have to step forward. We have to step up. We've got to step out. It's time for us to, to, to do a gut check. Time for us to do a gut check. Are we going to be like Paul? Are we going to be willing to face anything? Or are we going to continue to shy away at the slightest inconvenience when we're called to preach the gospel? Once again, as I told you last week, be praying for the people who God's going to put in front of you. Be praying for that city of people that you're the watchman on the wall for. And do not shrink back from preaching the gospel. It's very unlikely this is going to happen to you. But you know what? Maybe it would. Paul had to deal with it. 
Why shouldn't you? Is the life that you found in Christ and the forgiveness of sins and the surety and the hope of eternal life and being with Jesus not important, not amazing? Should you be sharing that? Should you keep that to yourself? Paul didn't want to. He's trying to preach to the people who are trying to kill him. I can barely talk to somebody at the Starbucks. I'm just being honest. It's time to get real. Let's live like that, like Paul did. Let's love Jesus like that. Let's love other people like that. Let's see Christ change the world through us. Let's see it. Let's do it. Let's see him do it again. There's a great big world all around us that's searching for answers, and we have everything they're looking for in the truth of Christ. Like Paul, let's be looking for any and every opportunity to share it. And as always, if you have any questions about this episode, or if we can help you find the truth of Jesus, call us at 360-885-9000, or send us an email, use info at axchurchnw.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll check out the next episode for more with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate. Contemplate.